Why, hello, yes, and welcome back to a episode of Video Store Wasteland. It's been such a long time that I kind of forgot how I start these things. Go ahead and welcome myself here. I am Brian, your host with the mostest. I should have guessed, I should have said hostess with the mostest, but you know what, whatever, we're doing this off the fly because it's been such a long time since the last time that I have have uh, visited you guys here on the radio or on the uh, the airwaves here on uh, Video Store Wasteland. And, uh, you know, since we haven't done this in such a long time, I'd just uh, like to give a little bit of an update. You know, usually what I'm going to do from now on, if there's any sort of personal updates in terms of what's going on with the show and uh, if we have any sort of appearances or, like, call-in shows, which is stuff that we, I, I now have the capacity to do. Um I'm going to go ahead and just do it at the end of the episode so we can get right to the meat of it. But right now, I'll just give a little update. Yes, it has been a very long time. It's been since June, and beginning of the June at that, that I've, uh, you know, sort of said hello to you guys here in the wasteland. Uh, I'm still present. I'm still alive. Yes, I am. Uh, <laughs> this entire time has been really busy with work. Uh, work's been fucky. And, uh, has been a lot of stuff going on, you know, uh, with that, I've been working long hours in the warehouse and, uh, you know, my body is really tired, but, you know, I'm making the effort here now to try to get out to you guys, uh, later episodes, we'll have a little bit more of updates on it, but right now I just want to give you that little bit of, of an update. I've been tired with work. That's why you haven't heard from me since, uh, June, <laughs> uh, it's been forever. You know, it, uh, it feels nice being back on the radio, being, being back on, on the microphone. Uh, I do have another show that I do work on. Might as well start plugging that now. I work, or I, uh, a co-host officially now of Red Rum Radio, uh, which they do, uh, or we do a bunch of like true crime, paranormal, spirituality stuff there. So if you're looking anything between, uh, you know, sort of like John Wayne Gacy cases to possessions to UFO abductions, uh, you know, go ahead and head over there at uh, Red Rum Radio. I'll, I'll, I'll list that in the episode description so you guys have a sort of a set you know, you know, you know where to go. So I'm there every week on Red Rum Radio. I'm going to try to get out episodes of Video Store Wasteland a little bit more often. We'll have some crossovers every once in a while. You know, it's going to be good. Uh, so I've been working on that since the last time I've uh, talked to you guys. Uh, so, you know, let's just get into what 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 new Video Store Wasteland, what you're going to expect from from me now on. It's just we're going to talk a little bit a little bit more in depth into these movies, not just like, Hey, you know, what movies came out that year? Uh, what sort of other things are happening in that year? Cause you know, it's cool. It's cool to know like these like trivia facts of like, uh, you know, what movies came out in the same year as the movie that we're talking about, what sort of like, uh, sports events happened in that year? Because it's like, you know, me, I'm a sports guy. I love, I love the sports, but like, when we want to talk about movies a little bit more in depth, you know, knowing knowing what year what stuff happened that year surrounding the movie itself is important, but knowing about the movie itself and what to base it across of uh, different sort of objects or you know just 
history in general is going to be important. And that's why this one I think is going to be really cool to talk about. And uh, since I haven't said uh, anything about it at the top of the show, we're going to go ahead and say now we're going to talk about the uh, 2003 movie Hulk. Uh, which was directed by Ang Lee, who was director of Brokeback Mountain, Brokeback Mountain, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Drag, mm, <laughs> Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. We're going to go ahead and just leave all of these little like flubs in terms of uh, you know pronunciation in because why not? And Life of Pi. So uh, he's a director. He's uh, a Chinese director. He's acclaimed for these movies itself. Like I've seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It's a great movie. Great. Uh, wushu martial arts movie when you think of it uh when you actually watch it if you haven't watched it go ahead and do uh i and i've also seen life of pi i did enjoy life of pi it's a nice little drama story i have still yet to see broke Bat mountain so i can't really tell you guys to go see it or not you know if you do see it go ahead and, and tell me what you think about it over at video store wasteland at gmail.com and of course if you have any uh comic suggest comments suggestions or concerns you go ahead and email me there at bdstorewasteland at gmail.com i will put that in the episode description just so you know where to go uh but it's 2003 it's the hulk so what we're thinking about around this time is that why why are we even talking about the hulk of 2003 it's been about just 11 10 years since the movie came out uh, we're currently 39 Marvel, MC, Marvel, Disney, quote unquote, MCU movies in. So there's 39 of them. And, and to think that it all starts back in the day in the literally the 1980s, it started like really close to what we would call modern era of film and all that. And that's why we're talking about it. Or what, what I want to, what kind of like discuss in, in this episode is, is, uh, you know, why, why, why even are we talking about the Hulk 2003? Why, why, how was Marvel Marvel back then? And by back then, I mean the 1990s really. And how is Marvel now? And how does like, how do movies in the quote unquote superhero superhero genre fit in actual film theory and all that? Because there is a push towards it. And I'll talk about that later on in the episode. But we're gonna go ahead and try to look at those three things. We're gonna look at the Hulk, what it Hulk 2003, what it sort of is, what it sort of tried to be. Marvel back in the day, Marvel now, and sort of how that all fits in uh, film theory in terms of genre and production and all that. So we're going to go ahead and start by talking about uh, just Marvel back then. So we're going to go ahead and go into our discussions right and now. Yeah, you're making me angry. Oh, am I? All right, Marvel back then and Marvel now. So like what I'm trying to say with Marvel back then, I'm, Really trying to say pre-MCU stuff, so pre-2008, which is where Hulk 2003 does fit in, because obviously it's 2008 is greater than 2003, uh, just by simple math logic and the chronological march of time. But that's what I mean. Like there, There is a marked difference between all the movies before 
Iron Man that came out in 2008 and all the movies that sort all the Marvel movies that came out after that because really what you could say is that back then there wasn't really a quote unquote uh superhero genre really uh because I could tell you a lot of these movies that did come out before uh Iron Man in 2008 sort of lived in their own sort of world in terms of what type of genre type style of movie it was because before then you have things like Howard the Duck that came out in 1986 which really would you could consider the first Marvel movie to come out and then you have of course the Incredible Hulk TV series that was in the 80s you have Blade uh movie that came out in 2000 or 1996 you have X-Men came out in 2000 you have Spider-Man they came out in 2002, Daredevil, Daredevil that came out in 2003, and X2 that also came out in 2003, the other movies, and then you do have Spider-Man 3, X-Men 3, The Last Stand, um, those old movies that came out before Iron Man in 2008 that come out. So this is the type of movies, or type of, or time period, really, that we're talking about at the moment, is that this current or before the current sort of wave of what Marvel movies are and what I guess would, would be considered as the zeitgeist. That's where this movie lands into. And before before we even get into Iron Man, all these movies really were standing independent of each other. There's no such thing as an interconnected universe or anything like that that uh, any of the filmmakers were trying to think of because all the movies beforehand were all produced by separate production companies. They didn't have... Disney being in charge of every single one of the movies that came out before then. No, what you had was a, uh, you know, whole group of different, uh, studios in charge of it. So you have Howard the Duck who's over at Universal. You have Blade that's over like Paramount X-Men that's over at Fox Spider-Man that's over at Sony. I don't know where the hell Daredevil was because I don't even think that movie knows where the fuck it's supposed to be. And uh, Hulk that's over at Universal. So each one of these uh, different studios obviously is going to want to try to create their own separate sort of movie. So Blade is this sort of, uh, you know, action movie, cool techno thriller sort of thing. X-Men is just this overarching epics uh, type of movie. Spider-Man is is a, almost a personal drama. And in Spider-Man 2, you have a little bit more of like horror elements in it because obviously you have Sam Raimi, who is a horror director. So these uh, sort of things that he was calling upon in his older movies, he's going to bring back in his movies that he's going to do afterwards. So you see that in Spider-Man and especially Spider-Man 2. Later on in Doctor Strange, uh, Multiverse of Madness, you do see these calling cards of uh, Sam Raimi, which in in case in point, you could also call a tour theory, which we'll be discussing a little bit more on later on in the episode. But this is the sort of thing that's happening in Marvel movies sort of pre-2008. So each one of these movies sort of stood by itself. They didn't weren't any sort of interconnecting uh, universe. So they didn't have that, I guess you could say, pressure 
to be alike like each other because uh you know i uh, they can go out and make an x movie and since it's not an interconnected universe they don't have to worry about keeping the same tone as they would in a spider-man movie or if later on uh in in the daredevil movie with all these movies are all different sort of tone uh, different movies tonally and I say this now uh, as a sort of reaction to what a lot of these Marvel movies are coming out now. Like a lot of them, they sort of take whatever elements from the most popular ones. So they take elements out of the Spider-Man movies post Marvel acquisition. The Thor Thor 3, they take a lot out of. They take a lot out of the Joss Whedon sort of movie of Avengers and all that. And even then... Uh, I will talk about a little bit more of Avengers when we get to it. But like um, when you think about it, like now now we have what you the hallmarks of what you would consider a superhero genre. Back then, we didn't really have any of this because uh, they were just making movies based on superhero characters. And that's something big that'll come up when we talk about the Hulk from 2003 is, uh, really what, where do you, would you consider, uh, in reality, the birth of the superhero movie? Would you consider it with, uh, the Christopher Reeves Superman? Um, because that's really where we would see any sort of adaptions, right? Um, obviously, there was the 60s Batman uh, adaption in the TV show, but when you're talking about, like, actual superhero, almost epics is a, what you would almost consider, like, the, the first superhero movie, um, uh, or Superman movie, really. Uh, when we look at it in in terms of what comes after that, what what are we calling all these other movies? Howard the Duck is more of a comedy, like I said. Blade is more of a action. X Men's more of a uh, uh, of a it's it's more of a drama. Same thing with like Spider Man, more of a drama because as much as the Spider Man stuff you have, you still have Spider Man dealing with his everyday life, uh, and that's something that comes up a lot in the Hulk two thousand three TV show. TV show, the Hulk 2003 movie that was directed by Ang Lee, like we said, is the director of Brokeback Mountain and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And then, then come 2008, this is where I guess you would consider the quote-unquote birth of the superhero movie, so let's talk about that a little bit. At this time, as we really don't know what an actual superhero movie is uh, or has been defined, because like I said, it's it's been all sorts of things. You have the Batman movies by Tim Burton and uh, Joel Schumacher and all these other directors being all sorts of different things in and of itself that how do you really pinpoint what they're supposed to be? And that's what slowly we're barreling towards in terms of just M uh, Marvel movies. I'm not even calling it MCU yet in terms of Marvel superhero movies that we're going towards. And that's what's building up to since 1986 with Howard the Duck. Because uh, really you have to, from 1986 to 2008 where you actually have this sort of Promethean Marvel 
genre, really, because this is before the acquisition that happened by Disney. This is before they decided to have this whole uh, quote-unquote Avengers initiative with that, because we don't know too much, unless you're like a true comic book nerd like I was beforehand, going into Iron Man 3, that... um you know what the avengers are you like uh, iron man was like a third third tier superhero third tier third tier superhero uh and, and this whole grand scheme of things because no one no one was really like cheering for iron man they knew him because he was part of the avengers right but at that point you know the ones that everybody knows is spider-man you know the x-men um daredevil has his little cult following is really that's what it is is a cult following with x-men or with x-men with uh deadpool and then x-men had their following with the 90s x-men obviously bringing that in so you have these audiences being built into these movies when they do come out in the 2000s and the late 2000s because really uh the mark marketed uh, birth of the superhero genre as we or superhero movie as we know it would begin with Iron Man in 2008. So that's when we, we could say like this is where superhero movies would be born. So where does that leave uh, Hulk 2003 in general? Because it leaves it few uh, five years after or five years before the quote-unquote birth of superhero movies, it would leave in that area. Um, so what does that mean for this movie? Uh, so we're going to go ahead and talk a little bit more about Hulk 2003 now and what what the movie's about, what sort of themes are revolved around it, what uh what the purposes that Ang Lee was trying to or what the intentions of Ang Lee the director were for Hulk 2003 in uh this next segment of our store here in, or <laughs> yeah let's call it that let's fuck it let's fuck it let's it, it's uh as we go along we're going to the next section of the store so first in the section of the store was the beginnings of Marvel now the next section of this tour that I'm giving you through the wasteland is Hulk 2003. Puny human. Alright, so Hulk 2003. We're gonna go ahead and talk about it. We're not gonna really delve into too much of like into who was the ones who produced it, who were the people who uh, sort of were starring into it because like when we're really getting down into um theoretical talk about it man it doesn't really apply too much but we'll just talk a little bit about it so like 2003 hulk director obviously as i was mentioned before is ang lee he's coming off the success of crouching tiger hidden dragging at the time which is a wushu movie which just means it's a kung fu movie so it's a martial arts movie come out of china that's what that means he also directed things such as like broke rack mountain and life of pi the movie itself was written by James Shamus, who worked with Ang Lee on Brokeback Mountain and uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, cinematographer or DP um, of this uh, movie after Hulk went on to work on such things as Blue Velvet, which is a Ryan Gosling movie. I believe it's really good, if I'm 
thinking of the correct movie I have seen it and I liked it. The Night Of, which is an HBO short uh, series that is out there. I think it's pretty good as well. Or I've heard it's good. And the James Jarmusch uh, film, The Dead Don't Die, which came out recently. I want to say it came out about last year. Editor of the movie, you have Tim Squires, who has worked with Ang Lee on Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Life of Pi, as well as this one. Composer, obviously, we have Daniel. Well, obviously, I say that because, you know, I looked into it, but we have Danny Elfman, who at the time is also has been working on Spider-Man. Uh, he's He did the Batman uh, soundtrack. He did Nightmare Before Christmas. He also did the Simpsons theme. And other notables that we have working on this movie, we have uh, Kevin Feige, uh, who, you know, is the guy responsible for the rest of the MCU stuff. And, and in terms of people who we have in turn in cast, we have Eric Bana, Jennifer Connelly, Sam Elliott, and Nick Nolte rounding out are what you would consider... Uh, main cast here in the movie. You also have Josh Lucas in in this movie as well. Um, those are more the notable people that we can say in the movie. So overall, we, uh, in the movie, you have people who have worked with each other beforehand. So you have Ang Lee uh, bringing along the writer, editor that he has worked with on the previous movies, a different cinematographer in this case. Uh, but in that, in that, in that regard that you can, in, you can start classifying Hulk 2003 almost as an auteur film because of the fact that he is bringing back people that have worked on the films previous to this one. So he's bringing back some sort of stable, stable hirings, uh, for this, this movie in particular is what we see in Hulk 2003. Uh, I can't say too much about the cinematography being consistent with the previous Ang Lee movies because, uh, you know, you have a different cinematographer, so you can't really say that too much for the auteur theory, but you can say that Ang Lee, at a certain respect, other than trying to make a Hulk movie, or even a monster movie at that point, because when he was being interviewed during the productions of the movie, he did say that what he's trying to do, he's trying to make more of a tragedy and a psychodrama, uh, which is why most of the actors did actually sign on to the movie, is that they, as that Ang Lee wasn't explicitly making just a, a superhero movie with the Hulk, you know, that. Uh, it wasn't just going to be a movie where this giant green rage monster was going about and destroying things. You know, it was a movie about the different sort of uh, things that someone who was becoming the Hulk would feel and all that. And it does come by a little bit. He does say that. Dr. Heck, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde was a little bit of an influence as well as the King Kong movies, which we will look at a, into it a little bit later on in the episode, but that's who we have in terms of who is involved with the movie and on the production side as well as the talent side. 
So that's why most of the, the reasoning behind most of the people signing on to the movie is because they wasn't going to be your straight up just um, superhero movie, right? Like at the time, you already before this, you have Spider-Man that came out. You have the uh, X-Men movie that came out. Superman had already come out. Uh, Blade and and all these other like proto superhero movie genre movies that have come out and uh I, you know when you have someone attached to it like ang lee is that type of name of of a director you do have some sort of gravity gravitas that goes behind it especially with his previous movie being a uh, hidden tiger crafting dragon or hidden dragon house Crouching Tiger. Uh, you know what? What is it exactly? Hit, hit Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. We have Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I'm sure I'm gonna mess it up again, and that's okay. But um, with 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 that, you know, you have. You have it be the way that it is going to be. Um, because you go into some sort of movies like this and you're like, oh, you just seen Spider-Man. Uh, I almost wanted Spider-Man 2 or Spider-Man 3. No, you just saw Spider-Man 1. Recently, you had just watched X-Men, the first one. Uh, recently, so all these movies are really like, present in your mind and you have this sort of idea of what a superhero movie is going to be and then comes along Ang Lee who changes that sort of movie altogether because of the what he's trying to accomplish in the movie itself is different from what other people are trying to accomplish in superhero right, because uh, you know like we were mentioning the other movies that were coming out in that year of or around the same time in that year, and obviously you have things like Spider-Man 2, which that's a Sam Raimi movie. Sam Raimi movies are going to be completely different from an Ang Lee movie, um, just in the fact that they're both different directors that started in different ways, and they both have their own sort of style, and that's when we talk about uh, auteur theory. And um, you can almost argue that before we had the purchase and buyout or whatever you want to call it from Disney of all the Marvel properties around 2010, I think it is. It was around the same time as um, the Captain first Captain America movie came out. And this is when you had this uh, purchase happen. And, you know, before then, like I was saying, is uh, there's that, sort of different style in each movie. So you have the director of the X-Men movies. I don't want to say his name because of the history that he has behind himself, um, which, again, different movies than from what Sam Raimi does and what from Ang Lee did in Hulk. Um, so what Ang Lee was trying to get to, I think I'd mentioned it a little bit earlier in the movie, is that it is trying to be sort of not a superhero movie, and that's, I guess, part of the reason why some of the people or uh, the actors did sign on. So that's why Nick Nolte signed on. That's why Jennifer Connelly signed on, is because he wasn't making just a straight-up kids uh, action hero 
uh, action movie and all that. Uh, he was trying to make something a little bit more dramatic, a little bit more Shakespearean. Um, I believe I did mention Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and King Kong being influences of that. And that's something I didn't really know before watching the movie. Or, again, really. Uh, I've seen it a few times when I was a kid, when I was younger. Uh, do I remember a lot of it? No, I kind of really just remember the action scenes and that everything else around it was kind of boring because, you know, I was a kid. I didn't understand what's going on. Now that I'm an adult, though, the action scenes are kind of really boring and all the other stuff's interesting. But it does take forever for the movie itself to actually start and get off the ground. Kind of like how it took forever for it to start and get off the ground in terms of production. I believe it was in production for about, or pre-production for about 12 years, development really, for like 12 years beforehand. And it's funny reading the the dates for this. I'm like, 12 years? Tw uh, 1990 wasn't 12 years before 2003. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. So by the time this movie came out, I was already almost 10 years old. Uh, the movie now is barreling towards its 20 years of being a movie. Uh, it's been 20 years since the production of the movie, I can guarantee you that. So you have that going on it. So you have that in a movie that's 20 years old now. That's the when I mean the time of production back then, the way the movies were made, especially superhero movies. Uh, were completely different. I mean, not everything was a giant green screen and all that. You know, you still had some physical effects. A lot of it was uh, the viz, um, viz effects and for CG stuff uh, that was happening. Uh, a lot of mocap was still going on, but it, you didn't have completely, completely, completely computer-generated sets, which is a big thing that is happening now across every single Marvel movie. That's why you see some of the backgrounds being relatively lifeless because uh, they already have everyone else animating every little detail in scenes. You can almost say that, it, 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 that every frame of Marvel movies is so dense that something's going on at, a, at the same time, all the time. Uh, it's not what's going on in the Hulk movie. Um, Hulk itself, like as a superhero, does base its uh, stories, uh, or at least origins, uh, behind the history of Bruce Banner, uh, where like the 80s comic books, which is what a lot of these are, are, this movie is based off of, is that Bruce Banner had an abusive childhood growing up, and that's why he developed uh, dissociative identity disorder, DID. Uh, and that's why, you know, it's easier to say that he does go into the Hulk personality where there's two separate personalities and it just gets activated by his gamma radiation therapy that his father was working on when he was a kid and all that. And that's why you have that beginning, like 20 minutes of this movie, um, where it's really stylized uh, intro and all that sort of just glosses over a little bit of how those experiments were handled and how they were made back uh, in the 1970s, I think, is where, where the most of the beginning of the movie was uh, takes place. But that that's sort of what you get in, in that area. So you have that what is what it's based off and when you think about it 
Today, if they were to make uh, any sort of Hulk movie, you would not get any of that because if it's if it's Marvel Disney and it's done by one of their more yes men directors, uh, so you know, not 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 Ryan Krugler, obviously not the Russo brothers, uh, to a certain extent, not Taika Waititi, at least not. Not before Love and Thunder, because that movie sucked. You can kind of really tell that he didn't really want to make the movie. Uh, he wanted to move on to different projects that he had going on. But when it's not directors like that, even like not Sam Raimi, but at a certain point, you do have this thing called studio interference that is, um, does bleed its way into movies. Um, you, you have it to where a Hulk movie that comes out now will have to be whatever Kevin Feige says. They're Disney, so Kevin Feige says whatever his bosses at Disney tell him to do. So, that's where you have, like, Thor and Love and Thunder being very, very, very almost kid-oriented. That's why you have uh, the Doctor Strange movie. I know I'm talking about Marvel now, and we'll get to it in a little bit, actually. You know what? I'll stop talking about it now and we'll get to it in uh, about like 10-15 minutes from now um, so yeah Hulk, Hulk 2003 just takes forever for it to start it is not you know this Marvel movie where or where it is laughs every other second it's it's a pre pre MCU Marvel movie you know at a certain point it actually is a real movie you can consider this almost a real film uh, kind of like how in Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, you can consider those real film. Uh, Spider-Man 2 having way more horror influences than you remember. So you can go ahead and go back and watch Spider-Man 2 and watch out for all these horror little nods. Because obviously you have Sam Raimi, who was a horror director. He directed Evil Dead 1, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness. That's him. Um, that's what you have in uh, the Spider-Man, Spider-Man Two movies from two thousand and two thousand and two, respectfully, or two thousand and two thousand two, two thousand four, respectfully. I'm sorry; those are the years that the Spider-Man movies by Sam Raimi did come out. Uh, but in other things in the Hulk, you know, you can actually almost pinpoint to where they were trying to say some things. Uh, you know, the whole experimentation thing, if that's a thing that's still kind of viable, uh, the whole family dynamics, because uh, in this one, like I was saying, it follows more of the 1980s Hulk, where uh, the dad is, uh, uh, Bruce Banner's dad ends up being the one who kills his mom and all that, and it shows... Uh, you know, the, the abuse that he, he endured as a kid and how that sort of influences the character of the Hulk. Because when we really talk about what the Hulk's powers are, yes, you have the gamma radiation. At a certain point, the Hulk does grow bigger, depending on if he gets angrier or not. And a lot of the reason the Hulk splits off into this big um, brutish monster, really, is that... Uh, he does have that DID, like I was uh, explaining earlier, and it's, uh, I guess the gamma radiation is supposed to set you apart into a, the version of yourself that you want to be, and I guess Bruce Banner's version of himself that he wants to be is this, uh, you know, muscular, brutish monster to be able to protect himself from, protect himself with. 
And then just for contrast, and I'll talk a little bit about She-Hulk uh, right now in terms of character or her comic book character, not exactly what was going on with the new show. Um, that's why She-Hulk doesn't grow to be this brutish monster as well, because the idealized version of herself is just a more confident and strong version of herself. Uh, where, you know, she was already secure and all that of herself and all that. That's why she doesn't become this giant rage monster. And that's why uh, Bruce Banner does. Um, just, uh, so like I was saying that King Kong thing. So like you have like King Kong, Dr. Jess, Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, sort of Beauty and the Beast a little bit in there. You have a little bit of Faust some Frankenstein and really you see it more in King Kong because you can dig to direct movie quotations. When I mean movie quotation is like when you read a movie, a quotation of a movie could just be, uh, you know, them homaging a scene shot by shot or having the same sort of scene. So if you ever see a movie do, uh, I think it's called a vertigo zoom. So it's when they zoom in physically, but zoom out with the camera. At the same, it's the scene from Psycho when they when they zoom in on Roy Schneider's uh, face. Uh, that's the vertical zoom. And if you ever see that in any other movies, that would be called a film quotation. But at this point is where you would have the King Kong thing, where at a certain point he goes out, he breaks away from his chains and all that, and attacks the city, where he does in San Francisco, he does uh, attack the the base at the end of the movie. Uh, spoilers, obviously, if you're watching or if you're listening to this, there's going to be spoilers. Anyway, for several, several movies. Um, yeah, you so you see it there more. It's more King Kong, Frankenstein. Obviously, he's being chased by the uh, military because he's seen as this rage monster. Um, Doctor Jekyll must still Mister Hyde because you know Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. You have Doctor Jekyll being Doctor Bruce Banner and Mister Hyde being the Hulk. <laughs> I mean, it's very simple on that one. Beating the Beast. And, I mean, the the thing is, is that when he's trying to do this. Had have you if you don't have that knowledge of those um, literary or film pieces, cinema, uh, cinematic pieces, you kind of will lose all sort of meaning on what is trying to happen. Because I mean, think about it: who's the audience? Who's really the audience for a Hulk movie? It's not going to be people who have read, or it could be. But it's not the majority of these people who have read these things. It's going to be people who are just going in to watch a movie, enjoy themselves and all that. It's not going to be people who know too much about the literature or even the literature of the comic books. It's almost like something you can really say. It's a lot of times you get people go go to these comic book movies, know nothing about comic book movies. And that's completely fine. You Marvel nerds need to cool it. Uh, not everyone knows all the comic books. Um, so be, you know, welcoming to everybody who wants to watch a movie. That's really the whole thing. In, uh, Hulk 2003, you can almost say that it is uh, a little bit too serious. Um, but really the movie is just long. That's where I'm going to put the my or end my review for it before I move on to the next uh, two sections of our show that I want to discuss before we you know head on out of here. Um, 
but it's that. It could be too serious. I thought the movie was fine, uh, personally. Um, and that's just because I do enjoy that type of movie, I guess you could say. More dramatic, uh, more dramatic things and that have some sort of story to it and all that. I enjoy that stuff, you know? Um, so that's, that's what I would say. Go ahead and see it. If you really do want to do a compare and contrast between Marvel movies and all that, I do recommend seeing it because, you know, I watched this and then, um, I watched Black Panther 2. Um, which is, uh, I'm going to go ahead and start talking about that now. And actually, you know what? I'm going to, uh, end up, no, you know what? We're going to talk about, um, this one instead. Before we do, uh, get onto Black Panther 2022, uh, Black Panther 2 that came out in 2022, I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit about the Avengers from 2012. I know I mentioned it a little bit, so the reason being is that from time of release of Hulk 2003 to Avengers 2012, you got nine years, about ten years, you know, uh, with between Black Panther 2 and Avengers uh, you have 10 years, so 2012 versus 2022. 20, uh, so it serves for me kind of this uh, interesting halfway point, really, of um, where Marvel movies were sort of, sort of starting, where they were heading, and where they're going. And that's sort of like where what how I separated out this episode for you guys. So Avengers, Joss Whedon directed. Uh, I think this one was over at Paramount. This is what they would consider, uh, what I guess MCU fans would consider the end of phase one, which culminated of Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Captain America, Thor, and the Incredible Hulk, which was the Ed Norton, uh, the Ed Norton movie that was over at Universal, which interesting enough, the reasons why we wouldn't really ever see in, uh, standalone Hulk movie. It's because those rights are still over at Universal. Same thing why we'll never see a standalone Namor movie. That's why he's just the backup in um, Black Panther 2 because uh, his rights are also at Universal. So why, you know, Spider-Man has that sort of interesting deal with with Sony and all that. But you probably won't see a standalone Hulk movie for a while. Um, and yeah, like I was saying, at this time, there's movies, the M- or the Marvel movies were still done by separate uh, companies. So it's not the same studio doing all the movies. Um, this one obviously was a big, big old blockbuster. I saw it myself like seven times in theaters. And every time I saw it, it was lots and lots of people in there. Um, I haven't seen it in maybe about a year, but, you know, having seen it, maybe 20 times uh i could say this movie was still a movie it didn't feel like a product yet so uh, here's where you would probably start seeing the um so before with like iron man we would we would almost consider that the birth of the modern superhero movie with avengers is what we would call the birth of the mcu genre because a lot of the stuff that uh, is ever present in MCU movies past this were created sort of in here. So a lot of this little one-off quips and all that, everything so inter-referential and interconnected has to be, it comes from this movie. So everything had to be connected into this movie from the previous, I believe, six 
seven movies before it for it to work together. But now everything that's Marvel, it has to be interconnected. Goddamn, they had the fucking um, multiverse shit. So everything has to be interconnected now. Um, but this one is the one that still feels like a movie and doesn't feel like a product. And it's from phase two on is where you can consider uh, the... I don't know, not, yeah, the commodification of of Marvel movies or Disney movies, I guess it's always been a thing, a commodification. Um, but, you know, it's still a movie. Avengers was still a movie, and it's a really good movie uh, at that, too. Um, so that's really a little bit of that I want to say about that. It's that this is the point in time where you can kind of see the pivot from uh, movies that are or Marvel superhero movies that are true movies versus what they will become um, between Avengers 2012 and Black Panther 2 that came out in 2022, which I'll go ahead and start talking about now. At this point, uh, we have 39 Marvel movies, I think, or is it? I forget if it's 39 Marvel movies or 39 Marvel projects in general. It's all movies uh, that are Disney-made. Um, so it's all the same product. All the same pe uh, people who are in charge of the creative process of it are not are now here. Black Panther 2, um, like I said, directed by Ryan Krugler, uh, bringing back majority of the original cast. Obviously, rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman. Um, movie was cool, you know, uh, it was really good, like, production design on it, I think there was an actual fucking story in the movie, like, you would actually, you can't just say, like, oh, the movie was a movie, you know, like, no, like, our movie was a Marvel movie, the most boring parts of the movie was when it became a Marvel movie, so all the action set pieces that were in the movie, that was the part where I would, where I would say myself that it was boring, because, um, they just look the same as every other fucking Marvel movie, really. You know, or you like I said, that's where the commodification of movies would come by. It's like, oh, you're going into a Marvel movie, you know exactly what to expect because you've seen that minimum. I I want to say people have seen at least ten Marvel movies. I don't know which ones, and I don't care to know which ones. But you, if you've seen one or two, you've probably seen a lot. Especially if you've seen them post, um, post Avengers two, especially, um, so that's what you have in in Black Panther two, and it actually kind of serves to be a little bit of a story where you know you have Namor versus uh, the entirety of Wakanda, really, uh, with Wakanda just opening up their borders and all that, and Namor being over here in um, I forget the name of the city that he had uh, but it, it's it, it, his origins aren't like in the comics he's not from atlantis it's uh it, it's a breakaway civilization from the mayans um that go and takes the same sort of herb that turns the black panther into the black panther uh but it turns them blue lets them breathe air and namor was born of a woman who took uh that beforehand and uh have you know can he's born with the wings on his feet can breathe both air and both water and all that 
but the the reason why you have that you have someone who's been under direct threat for centuries and then you have someone who's barely coming under direct threat from the outside world now so namor already had like distrust of the surface world because when he came up to bury his mother you know he saw the plantation in the yucatan where they had uh the indigenous uh population there which is maya uh being beat so obviously you see your people being beat or you know the people of your mother's people being beat you're gonna go all um psycho on them and that's what happened and you know Namor goes and kills them all and holds this grudge for centuries, um, which is something that he's trying to build upon as an alliance with Wakanda and all that. So you have a natural story, you have like drama, you have stakes, things happen in the movie. And it's, you know, com- now I'll talk a little bit more about those other two movies I was talking about. So Thor, Love and Thunder and... Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, studio intervention. Oh my god, yes, there probably was tons of studio notes for Black Panther 2, obviously, because it is Disney, and they were going to want to try to control every little detail of those movies, because that is their bread and butter right now, currently. Um, but you didn't really feel that much of it. Maybe I Honestly, the studio notes that I thought they were adding is what you have to add uh one of the new characters from i guess where they're going to consider the young avengers so you ha- you they had to bring in iron heart um because you know they need to have it she really is just a, a macguffin for the entirety of the movie she's just literally is used as a plot tool to get the final confrontation to go it like she's used during the, the whole movie so Okay, um, but the fact that I can say MacGuffin in a Marvel movie that came out in 2022 is amazing because Doctor Strange Multiverse Madness just felt like the studio said, hey, you need to add Scarlet Witch. That show is popular. She needs to be in here because she has X, Y, and Z to do with the multiverse. That is a plan that we have that we're only going to show you a little bit of because we don't want to let the entire... Like, honestly, at this point, because they don't, they're not showing everybody what they want to do, I don't think they have a concrete plan. They probably have a plan for the next three movies which is more to say than what DC is doing. But, um, yeah, Multiverse of Madness just seemed like, hey, Scarlet Witch is popular, put her, in, put her in this movie. And then Thor Love and Thunder was like, hey, we actually made a good Thor movie in Thor Ragnarok. Taika, can you make the exact same movie for us? And, you know, he did, and it felt very soulless. And in... Uh, uh, Doctor Strange, uh, you have that he actually did too, uh, or Sam Raimi did exactly what, what they wanted him to do, but then you have, uh, Benedict, Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, coming out and saying something about, uh, how he felt the character has no development and all that, and there is no de- character development. I mean, when you, the whole movie is... Oh, we need to return this person who can jump multiverses back to her family. And that's it. Punto y claro. There's no more. That's it. You know, there's nothing else for, for Doctor Strange to do. There's no development for him to do. There's nothing for him to learn. He doesn't learn shit because there's no lessons for him to learn. 
Same thing in Thor and Love and Thunder. What the fuck is this going on? That really is just an apology letter to Natalie Portman for for not treating her, her the character correctly and all that. So it's like, cool. You have two movies that sort of aren't really self-serving in terms of what they are or what they could have been. And they they just fall flat on itself. And that's a lot of what these Marvel uh, TV projects are. Uh, two. So I guess at this point we're done talking uh, about Black Panther 2. We're going to go on and move on to the next uh, I guess phase uh, is Marvel then because uh, we started with Marvel then. We're going to talk about Marvel now and we talked about a little bit with that uh, with the Doctor Strange and uh, Thor Love and Thunder. Now you have you know all the TV shows that come out. So you have uh See if I can just list them all. I probably can. Uh, she Hulk. You have Miss Marvel. You have Hawkeye show. You have uh, Moon Knight that came out. You have Captain America Winter Soldier. You have WandaVision. You have the Loki TV show. Um, I think I said Hawkeye already. But of all those TV shows, like I know what they, they're just trying to move forward with all that. They're trying to push um, their narratives that they want to tell in the next 10 movies and all that by introducing minor characters that I guess have some sort of significance to the future of what they're doing. But the thing is when you're 39 movies and projects in is, are they suffering from success? They've had a change of CEO from Bob Iger over to Bob Chapek who I hear, uh, since they're doing layoffs at Disney, there is a nickname for him that he's not particularly fond of. His nickname is Bob Paycheck, because um, he's all about the bottom line. And that's what happens when you put accountants in charge of a creative company. The accountants don't know. When was the last time you heard of accountants being excellent creative writers? I'll wait. I don't have to wait long because you do not have an answer for that. Do you think I'm going to do you think I'm going to go out and be a CEO of a fucking McDonald's? The only thing I know about McDonald's is that they have delicious breakfast served until nine or until 1030. Hey, McDonald's, come here. I own two stocks of McDonald's, all right? I put money in your company. I believe in your company. Bring back all day breakfast. Like, why get rid of it? Jack in a Box does all-day breakfast. People love Jack. You did all-day breakfast. Shit. Fuck, people will go to you. And another thing, have a little bit more locations that are open later than fucking nine. Or at least have the fucking drive-thru open. Like, Jesus. Um, anyways, I digress. Out where I live, I get out of work at like three in the morning. And if I'm hungry at three in the morning, I really have no options because I don't want Del Taco. And that's like the only thing open at three in the morning over here in the IE. I don't want to exactly locate myself, but yeah, in the IE, there's just that. It sucks. Anyway, you don't put an accountant in charge of creative. Jeez, I think that's like rule number one of running a, a movie studio. You let the people who know how to make the jokes make the jokes, 
You let the people who know how to cook the food, cook the food. Then you let all the people who are good with money to stay with the money. Shit, you're gonna, Marvel's gonna make hit and misses. Like, yeah, sure, if every movie makes a billion dollars, they're all gonna suck. They're only making a billion because everyone's gonna go see it, right? Like, how many people are just going to see a Spider-Man movie because it's a Spider-Man movie? Or a Marvel movie just because it's a Marvel movie for the off chance that one of the mov- one of the characters they know is going to be in it. Anyway, that's why you have uh, things like uh, the Avengers Academy at California Adventure. Uh, because that was all just looking for the money. And from reviews from YouTubers that I do follow, um, Avengers Academy is kind of a mess. You know, and then you have this like subsection of people who now want every single Marvel movie to be a, a, a real film and all that to the point where you have uh, Marvel stands fighting against Martin, Marty Scorsese, um, who unfortunately I didn't get to meet in New York. I tried. Trust me, I tried to look for Marty. I couldn't find Marty anywhere. I was going to sit down and talk to him about The Departed because. God damn, what a fucking movie that is. I digress. See, if Marvel made something like The Departed with their characters, like, that's awesome. See, Marvel now has that. They just want to try to make the same movies over and over and over and over again. Right? So we're going to have, like, 15 Spider-Man movies. We have three Ant-Man movies for some strange reason. We're going to have reboots of all these characters because that's just what happens in comic books is that characters get rebooted, new books are written and all that. And really all this uh, with people want like clout with their movies and why they were fighting, I kind of blame Chris Nolan for that because the Dark Knight saga is amazing and that's like actual film. Like we can almost skirt the line of that being film. Um, versus just it being a movie, because uh, you know, like, what what the hell's gonna happen? What's gonna, you know, like, it, it's intense. It's like pushes you forward. The narrative keeps you going. Uh, I don't remember much if Batman learns a lesson, but you know, the narrative keeps it going. There's stuff that happens. It pushes forward. There's stakes. There's stakes. Damn it. Um, I didn't really feel like there were stakes in Doctor Strange. I didn't feel like there were stakes in Thor: Love and Thunder. Uh, there were stakes in Black Panther 2. There wasn't really stakes in She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, Hawkeye. I mean, Hawkeye a little bit more. Because um, that's not a superpowered character. So he has uh, things to lose. Um, yeah, you, you know, you have that. And a lot of these movies, almost directly off of being in theaters, they get put on Disney+. Plus. So what's the point of even going to see a Marvel movie nowadays, right? You, you just get to go see it, then wait three months, and then it's going to be in your Disney Plus. So you paid double for it. You paid for whatever you paid for the ticket, which is going minimum $17 now some places. And then you paid see it again on whoever's Disney Plus account you have the uh, password to. So it's just that they go to they go to streaming almost immediately. So that like what what really do you have of people dissecting, taking in these Marvel movies and like making it something else other than a product? Because that's what it is now. It's a product to get out to a different product to sustain the product for 
to, to sustain their service. It's all products that go onto a service that you buy that makes them money. So it's like, okay. But then you have movies that come out that aren't Marvel, like Logan. Logan's a fucking movie. That's a fucking amazing movie. And, you know, can't really say much that they're going to do with anything there. Like, I can't imagine, I can't imagine Disney uh, okaying anything remotely close to what a Logan would be. And that's kind of sad to say, because you could have that, like, like a Logan-type movie would work, work amazing for the Hulk. If, if they had a movie like that, but Hulk, would be amazing. Would they do it? No. I don't think they have the creative capacity right now. I think Disney is heavily... To to borrow from um, legendary film critic and film theorist Richard Evans of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, creative or Disney has been creative, creatively bankrupt for a while. I know he said that about Star Wars, but... I'm just going to adapt it and say that Disney in general is created creatively bankrupt. And I don't know if there's anything that could fix it for them. So where does that leave us in terms of that's Marvel. Now let's go, go ahead and wrap up our, our little conversation here about, um, the Hulk from 2003 Marvel then and now, um, which is really what this movie is going to be about a movie. This episode is about, um, what does this mean really for the movies in the future for, for Marvel? Who knows? Disney's, Disney's creating a, or, or going through a lot of layoffs right now and a hiring freeze as, you know, the whole country's barreling towards a recession. Um, a lot of bland movies and bad TV is coming out, but the thing is, as long as people watch it, they'll keep pushing it out. Um, I would be remiss to say that we'll ever see any movie like the Hulk from 2003 ever again. Probably won't because as bad as it is, it still tried to be something else. It tried to be a movie. It tried to tell a story. It tried to create a narrative. Um, I don't think that's happening anymore in, in Marvel, Marvel products. Now that we can say that they are products. Um, Go out, go out and see it and form your own opinion. That's obviously half the point of this show. I want to present to you a movie to for you guys to go out and form your own opinions on after, you know, talking to me or listening to me for a little bit. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, what, that's where I sit right now. Go watch the movie. Um, this is not a recommendation. Just, just go watch it. Go watch uh, Black Panther 2, actually, as well. That one's, that one's a recommendation. I like that one. That'll be the recommendation. Go watch Black Panther 2. Homework is go watch Hulk 2003. Yes, I said homework. Deal with it. Um, all right, guys. That's, that's sort of like uh, what you should be expecting a little bit more of, of me here at Video Store Wasteland. Uh, we'll be doing more discussion-type things like this um, versus just trivia and... Um, general knowledge of a movie. And um, I want to see how far we can get in terms of discussion for some of these movies, because I guarantee you I read way, into, way too much into the Hulk and Black Panther and all that. Um, 
But yes, that's going to do it for me here. Uh, I am Brian, and I hope to see you guys. Actually, no, before I do that, before I sign off, uh, I'm just going to you know let you guys know where to find me. I am Video Store Wasteland at uh, Instagram and on TikTok. I think on Twitter, I am VSWLPod. Uh, I don't really use my Twitter too much, and I don't know how much I'll be using Twitter now that Elon is dismantling it from the inside. And when I mean dismantling, I don't mean in a good way. <laughs> He's fucking destroying that company. Um, I'm there. I also co-host another another uh, podcast. So if you're into true crime, the paranormal, UFO, spirituality, uh, or just general interest in history um go ahead and listen to red rum radio i'll put a, a link to the show in the episode description we're also on red rum radio on instagram uh same thing with i think tiktok I'll, again i'll just post that up in our episode description but okay now i can now now i'll sign off uh Thank you for listening. I love you guys. I am Brian, and I hope to see you once again here in the Wasteland.